Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, 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 and salutations. It is another edition of Revolutionary Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
Greetings and salutations. Once again, it's always humbling and indeed a great honor to share this sacred space with you that we collectively create and recreate here at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time on various platforms, but foundationally blogtalkradio.com. Please, if you haven't done so, follow me, subscribe, like some shows, entertain yourself with some old shows, catch up in the archive, if you will, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. You can listen in archive, but you can also join us live by telephone at area code 845-277-9143, You can also join us by following the StreamYard link that is now scrolling at the bottom of the page. And at some point, I might copy and paste it back into the chat group again. But, but please also enjoy us and entertain us there. Please also like subscribe, follow my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash voodoo time. Be like Victor, O-O-D-O-O-T-Y-E, voodoo time. You can also go to YouTube, I believe, and type in the Divine Prince Tie. I, I may also come up in a, in a general search. As always, I begin with a, a mantra, a chat, a prayer, an oriki, if you will. And I begin by saying, Eshu Alekwana Kosi Were, Awo Unlo Uto No Iwo, Ada Afan Bohosi, O Batala Mi Ita Mi Ivo No Elio, Albane Shu. Eshu is a respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one burst in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scatter to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. I don't know why I have to grab a tissue like an old Baptist preacher every time I start talking, but something always goes on. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe, Ashe. May I ever reach a room. May I ever be accepted. May indeed I ever allow what we desire to come to pass. And, and so we say Ashe. Those who are in agreement say Ashe. Those who acknowledge the power in the shoulders upon which we stand say Ashe. Those who understand that there's something bigger and greater than ourselves, we say Ashe. Those who know that without the shoulders and the roots <laughs> and the trunk of the tree that is our ancestors that, that has lowered its branches, with, with fresh fruit, fresh generations, without them, we would have not our being. I am, at least once a day, twice a day, three times a day, I stop and I say, and I re-say, and I re-acknowledge, and I re-chant, and I re-mantra, I am, I am, I am, because my creators are more powerful, open, receptive to all that operates for my good here and now in this most present moment in time space 
at least once a day, four times a day, seven times a day. I am, I am, I am, because my ancestors are all powerful, open, and receptive to all that operates, indeed, for my good. And, and many of you are familiar with my number one mantra is all is a blessing. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. It, it, it's more than just, you know, a, a mantra with a quick definition. As some of you have come to understand, it's multi-layered, multi multifaceted. It's intra and interdimensional. It, it transcends everyday logic and, and reality in some cases. It, it stands beyond and outside of the illusion. And that's why I've been wanting to present, and, and we've had some complications. <laughs> I think the last time I attempted to broadcast, uh, Facebook and maybe Instagram and some other sites were down uh, globally, and, and I had just no knowledge. Uh, my schedule can be overwhelming. Um, I, I wasn't on social media earlier in the day, so, so I just had no no idea um, what was going on, and, and then life kicks in. So I'm always, always, always grateful and humbled by those who continue to support, continue to love, continue to share and reshare and, and, and alert me when I'm not present and remind me why I do this and why I must continue to be present, I am indeed grateful. And standing again with you live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally, from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince, Tycotian, Hoodoo Central, in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this who do obey a life path and journey, passing down the great obvious stick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, and indeed, yes, our sacred stories, our sacred stories. So I'm always grateful to share. I'm always grateful to answer questions, response or request. I invite you to, to share and reshare and, and utilize the, the StreamYard link, if you will. Please use the chat box. Uh, I'll remind myself to look down um, infrequently and make sure I'm not overlooking the chat box on, on all platforms present. Greetings, Kevin, Anthony. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for your continued participation and listenership. We are indeed grateful for you, standing with you and yours and your endeavors. Thank you so much, uh, Marlon Dickey. Grateful, grateful. I'm going to talk today about gatekeeping. And it's a topic that, you know, those of us who claim consciousness, who've been present in conscious literature, conscious discussion, conscious platforms, in the last 20 years, we've heard gatekeeping. Uh, and, and gatekeeping used in various ways with various uh, points of, of reference. And, of course, this is a hoodoo, voodoo, obia, root work kind of show. But we talk about history. We talk about a little bit of 
quantum metaphysics. We talk about its orientation, its relevance, if you will, to the right now, to the present, being that I consider myself, I, I tout myself as a results-oriented practitioner. I, I'm not happy with temporary. I don't settle for spell work. And, and today I'm going to introduce into the conversation that your spell workers are indeed gatekeepers, gatekeepers, much like your envision of, of the bishop, the pastor, the priest, gatekeepers who stand at the gate of truth and knowledge and sometimes fiction and, and delusion and illusion and, and decide often, and, and not just decide who might be allowed in, who might be chosen, but also who might have access to resources. Gatekeeping is probably as old as 2,000 years, at least. <laughs> uh, the, the, the major, major institutions of, of gatekeeping are indeed Islam and Christianity. You can throw Catholicism in there. You can throw Judaism in there. You can throw all the many children and grandchildren manifestations of those traditions as they show up in the world today. But indeed, gatekeepers, gatekeepers have been gatekeepers for some time in separating the masses from from what they believe to be true, what they believe to be safe or unsafe, for the masses to consume and or to digest, but also who is allowed within the ranks of those gatekeeping institutions. And, and sometimes it shows up as a title. Sometimes it shows up as a position. It often shows up in paperwork, in detail, in who signs the check, who writes the grants, who controls the, the resources. For indeed, the gatekeepers not just gatekeep knowledge and sometimes math and sometimes magic, but they gatekeep resources that ultimately the masses, the community, seeks access to. We can talk about gatekeeping in politics. We can talk about gatekeeping in government. We can talk about gatekeeping in education. I remember my own mother being a bit of a, a revolutionary. She would have never coined herself that at the time. But as a music teacher, bringing black history, black information, black knowledge, African awareness, global awareness into the classroom. And that was challenged in the 1970s. As recently as the 1970s, the 1980s, uh, some would probably say it, it continued in what books are allowed to be read what authors are allowed to be referenced, what discussions are allowed to be had, you know, in, in the classroom, in the environment. They're indeed gatekeepers, gatekeepers at every level, at every level of the community, from the grassroots up. For indeed, we also have cultural gatekeepers that determine how black it is or it's not how real it is for our community, or if not. That often determines what the needs of our community are and, and acquires the resources for said 
you know, improvement. And and then sometimes years later, sometimes decades later, we're trying to count the dollar and and track the progress and, and, and track the effectiveness or the usefulness of, of said venture. Introduce them to the community by gatekeepers. And so gatekeeping is, is an ongoing discussion. I think it, like many other topics, should be rediscussed, renewed, reevaluated seasonally, annually, you know, when indeed necessary. Uh, we see gatekeeping, of course, in, in religion. We see gatekeeping in, in uh, jobs and, and, and in economy and economics. We see gatekeeping. We see a rise of gatekeepers in social media. So I want to quickly reference uh, a document. Uh, let's see, who wrote this document? Uh, October 17, 2020, by Angela Hoffman. Cultural gatekeepers are disappearing. What that means for marketers. marketers. So you may have never heard the term cultural gatekeeper, but you've experienced the forces they will to keep individuals from breaking culture. Marketers face serious consequences when they attempt to break culture or appear disingenuous in their efforts to appear they fit in with popular culture. For instance, the Taco Bell Chihuahua fit with the culture of the 1990s when it was first appeared but faced criticism over its depiction of Mexican culture that ultimately led brand managers to abandon that ad and the usage of Chihuahua. Cultural gatekeepers thus ensure genuine symbols in our national discourse. And this is important because, especially at the grassroots level, it's a word, it's a phrase, it's a meaning, it's an inference, it's a reference And then that language becomes code. That language sometimes becomes legal and sometimes becomes a a part of important documents and documentation that move ideas, that move resources, that move funding, that move knowledge, that move information through our community. So cultural gatekeepers, religious gatekeepers, mathematics gatekeepers, are all uh, present and relevant in the conversation and the discourse of today. As the power of traditional gatekeepers is declining, the rise of mobs on social media exerts severe penalties from those members see as outside cultural norms. For instance, QAnon surfaced conspiracy theories regarding Democrats who were Satan worshipers, who ran rings of child prostitution through various locations. The theories drove one devotee to enter an establishment purported to run such an operation with the intent of killing everyone involved. Luckily, he was stopped before emptying his gun on innocent diners. Now, rather than learned discourse, that weighs facts and seeks evidence, individuals are condemned via memes, their actions and statements, which are taken out of context or in some cases just manufactured, and their image manipulated 
in, in what is now referenced as deep faith. So being clear about our own divinity, let, let, let's start with that again. <laughs> the black woman is God, the black woman is God, the black woman is God. And we say that humanity, science supports that humanity was born in, in the soil, in the rich dirt of Mother Africa, then indeed those who pass through the birth canal of the great mother are indeed born gods. Born gods. Now, we are indeed having a dual, and some would say a multi-dimensional reality. We struggle from moment to moment between our divinity and our flesh, between our spirit power and our carnal and earth power, between what we have, what we possess, what we own, what we can purchase and buy, versus real value, inner value, inner strength, inner power. And so gatekeepers have also been documented at the governmental level. Uh, and for my people who love research, I got all kind of links and books for you and, and, and sites you can refer to. I'll get it together. I'll get it organized and, and share it uh, in, in just a moment. Uh, COINTELPRO, which many of my regular long-time listeners have heard me speak of and reference on many occasions, depending on the topic. But another uh, demonstration of governmental gatekeeping, if you will. Uh, and this is directly from the FBI Federal Bureau of Investigation vault website. Uh, that's http colon forward slash forward slash vault dot FBI dot gov forward slash cointel hyphen pro. Cointel, C-O-I-N-T-E-L hyphen pro, P-R-O, vault.fbi.gov forward slash Cointel hyphen pro. The Cointel, the FBI began Cointel, short for Counterintelligence Program, in 1956 to disrupt the activities of the Communist Party or said Communist Party of the United States. In the 1960s, it was expanded to include a number of other domestic groups, such as the Ku Klux Klan, the Socialist Workers Party, and the Black Panther Party. All COINTEL operations were said to be ended. The, the website doesn't say said to. I say said to, but the website says all COINTEL operations were ended in 1971, although limited in scope, about two-tenths of one percent of the FBI's workload over a 15-year period. COINTELPRO was later rightfully criticized by Congress and the American people for abridging First Amendment rights and for other reasons. And COINTEL Pro, and this is again from the web, the FBI, vault.fbi.gov forward slash COINTEL hyphen pro. This includes white hate groups, new left, 
New Left, Puerto Rican Group, Black Extremist Group, Hoodwink, very interesting link for you to follow, Hoodwink, Cuba, Socialist Workers' Party, Espionage Program. And to the right of the page, there are also included vault links to, um, what's, what's the terminology of? the right to information, the law that governs uh, the right to certain documents, to certain information. I need to get my chat up because y'all are smart, often smarter than I am. Uh, there's, there's a law that governs, you know, the release of information, the right to have access to information after a certain period of time, and that's why these documents. Greetings, Tasha. Greetings, Martha Martinez, Carol B. Come on in, y'all. Nina Lloyd, welcome, welcome. Um, but that is why these documents are are being released and are available to us. Um, so there are, to the right of the page, vault links that include other categories, administrative policy procedures, anti-war, bureau personnel, civil rights, counterterrorism, foreign counterintelligence, frequently requested subjects, Fugitives, gang extremist groups, the gangster era, miscellaneous, another tab with miscellaneous information behind it, organizations, organized crime, political figures and events, popular culture, public corruption, the Supreme Court, unexplained phenomenon, which has been recently released. Uh, the government files governing uh, UFO and, and supposedly what the government knows or does not know about UFOs. Uh, there's a World War II file, and then there's a violent crime file. And so I'm going to pop that into the chat. I invite you, especially my researchers and those in my group that love to read uh, and have documentation behind what we talk about and share uh, yes, thank you. The Freedom of Information Act. Thank you, Shamafia. These documents are available now because of the Freedom of Information Act. And so I offer, as I've offered before, that, you know, these programs may be ended on paper or ended in the forms that we knew them in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. But technology has come a long way in inviting us to share more information about ourselves, to give more permission to have access to greater information about ourselves. And so, indeed, the need for gatekeepers is greater now than ever before. And, and now I'm going to coin a new phrase, micro-gatekeepers, because now the ga micro-gatekeepers can be a group of enthusiasts, a group of people who get behind, who support a particular idea, notion, person, place, or thing, and then work as a group to either support or bring down, to lift up or discredit a person, place, or thing. And so gatekeeping has become much more complex, while at the same time easily accessible by way of your device, by way of your internet, by way of your cell phone, by way of your acknowledging at any point what you believe or don't believe, what you agree with or don't agree with. Do you like 
pork or beef or, or chicken or, or fish or, or none of the above, you know, from our, from our Ubers, you know, to our Instacart, you know, to our uh, Amazon.com accounts, you know, and, and I'm in the number. I, I wear the mark of the beast just as many of you do. I have a social security number. You know, we have many other numbers attached to our name, credit card numbers, ID numbers, account numbers, you know. So so we are all carrying or wearing the mark of the beast. There, there are few among us that have found and gained autonomy uh, beneath the system. And and when we look at Hollywood and books and movies and entertainment, indeed, we, that time is coming where people will find and have to create uh, means of communicating above and below the matrix, if you will, if society indeed uh, heads in the direction that many prophetic authors and, and screenwriters, you know, have predicted. And so gatekeeping is strong right now as it relates to religion, spirituality, practice, belief, uh, that even encompasses health, wellness, how you think about ourselves, uh, wholeness, you know, how, how we project that footprint. And I know some of you work diligently to sort of mash your footprint to the best of your ability to, to, to not show your, your face or your real face, you know, or to change up. Uh, but unless you're, unless you're the craftiest of, of hackers, uh, everything has an IP address. Everything has a footprint. <laughs> everything, you know, that we do, you know, leads to somewhere. And, and someone smart and educated, you know, has access, you know, to that information. So there's another group of us who, who walk and believe we walk and, and talk authentically in, in all cases. I, I don't say anything on screen, on air that I can't say in private. Uh, and, and vice versa. I'm, I'm very unlikely to share, you know, in private what I wouldn't share live on air. You know, I, I wouldn't speak a, a bone that I won't, wouldn't want carried back to me. You know, Grandma used to say a dog that'll bring a bone will carry one. <laughs> you know, uh, I wouldn't share that bone, you know, to be returned, to be brought back. So the gatekeeping right now, uh, we're aware of it in politics. It's real obvious in, in the red and blue, in, in the Democrat versus Republican. Uh, but it's not quite as obvious when it comes to really manipulating our ideas, our beliefs, how we self-identify. And, yes, church and religion still plays a, a large role in that. But now we have this technology which allows the micromanaging gatekeepers to work in, in, in much larger, but smaller components, but much larger groups to influence what we, what we say, what we believe, what we think we're experiencing and understanding. Uh, I know some people personally who use bots in Instagram. So I know a person who has 30 accounts in Instagram. And, and they're quite similar, um, quite similar in imagery in most cases. Um, we share some of the same stuff in, in, in many cases, uh, but it helps to promote 
the, the fake likes, I guess. It helps to generate the look of traction, of activities. And I, and I know it's some people out there, celebrities, uh, you know, social media uh, influencers who, who, who are upset about me discussing this right now. But it's a part of the gatekeeping. It's a part of the gatekeeping. And so we have to reexamine every season, every decade, every, you know, generation, the dynamics of gatekeeping co-entail as a well-documented example and how that affects us. Spell workers are gatekeepers, are gatekeepers. They are a distraction to, they are a diversion to, they're a crossroads between you and your real self, between you and your own empowerment, between you becoming a God, a God is standing in the God and the goddess that you already are. Because words are tricky in the becoming a God and the becoming the goddess. But, but we're born human. You might be a baby. You might be an infant. You might go through a process of evolution, of growth, of development. But we're born human. We just make a distinction between infant human, adolescent human, teenage human, you know, adult human. But you're born God. You're born the goddess. And then we still have to grow. We still have to take this journey. And and part of the complexity of this dimensional space that we exist in, intra-dimensional space that we exist in, is the sort of confusion between what's real and what's not real. And we've been taught real is physical. Real is how well your body is stacked. How well your body is put together. How much coins you got stacked in the bank. How much does your house and your property cost? And we don't put the same value on what really matters, consciousness, spirit, how you feel about yourself at any given point in your journey, who you are at any point in your journey. Because that's really, at the end of the day, all we have. At the end of the day, that's all you have. And in, in each moment, each stone along this pathway of this journey, we have an opportunity to stand up in that truth and either pull from our animal nature, our physical nature, our carnal nature, our, what we have, or to indeed pull from something deeper, from a much deeper place of understanding. If we're going to be free from white supremacy, racism, we indeed have to be free from the God spell. G-O-D hyphen S-P-E-L-L. And some of us are transferring that into ATR. You're using that as a sort of a guide for how you are entering and coming into ATR. And so don't don't get tricked by the gatekeeping. Don't get tricked by the illusions and the delusions that are being presented to you to continue to keep you enslaved, to continue to keep you 
a slave, to continue to keep you thinking that you don't have a choice, you don't have an option, you don't have a way out, you don't have anything to work with, none of that is true. It's an illusion. And anyone who's ever had a conversation with me, consultation with me, a reading with me, you hear me talk about the illusion of the issue, the block, the complication all the time. It's an illusion. It's often an illusion. And how we address it, how we go at it, how we attack it is often contingent on what we know or believe we know at any given moment, what we understand or believe we know at any crossroads. Greetings, Danette, give greetings, beloved, at any uh, point in our understanding. And forgive me, anyone who I may not have greeted uh, individually, either I haven't seen your name yet or I may have overlooked you, but forgive me. The Goat Rider and the Master Builder, thank you so much, beloved. Peace and blessings to you and yours. Thank you for being present. Thank you, thank you. Um, Rambo, the Don, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, Shale, greetings, peace and blessings, Rollins. Greetings, greetings. Yes. So the gatekeeping right now is targeting your mind, how you feel, how you view yourself, how you view and interpret and understand God. That there's a struggle, there's a battle going on. Some some might call it Armageddon that's happening as we speak in terms of your holding on to what was programmed, what was enforced upon us, what we were born into in terms of understanding versus where God and spirit are truly seeking to carry you now. Because many of you have been praying to God praying to ancestors, praying to the spirit for answers, for ancestors, for ancestors, for answers, for knowledge, for information, for how to move things forward, for what to do. And they are indeed speaking in every moment of our existence, in every moment of our being. God and the ancestors are indeed speaking, fighting, pushing forward on our better interests, for our best interests. We just have to be willing to be still, to be quiet, to, to tune in first to self and, and, to, and to speak. If you have to speak it, you know, several times a day, dozens of times a day, I am, I am, and therefore my creative are. Because see, we've been taught to say it in the reverse. My creative are, so therefore I am. The Christ said, greater works that I do, ye shall do, right, if we, if we accept that magical book. So we've got to regain some sense of consciousness first of ourselves. And for many of us, that, that's the journey of ancestry. That, that's the journey of ancestral work and divination. That's the journey of DNA work. I've got new... Uh, Ancestry.com relatives right now in my inbox. I've got new 23andMe relatives right now in my inbox. And many people are getting down to the wanting to know and not just the discussion of and not just the argument of. And your gatekeepers are in position to keep you afloat 
in, in that water, in, in that wash of wondering, of looking, of doubting, of, of, of showing some, some degree of interest in, but not a follow through. And, and they are reinforcing the not following through. And, and so your spellcasters, those are gatekeepers, just like some of your ministers are, are indeed gatekeepers. Some of your educators are indeed gatekeepers. You know, they're not in a position to teach you, feed you, acknowledge you on an individual level, the way we do in initiation, the way we did in indigenous culture. So, you know, just take you and your peer group, you and those boys and you and those girls that were born when you were born under that astrology, under that, that sky, under that roadmap, and then nurtured you individually and then collectively as a group. And that's one of the root reasons we seek out initiation. But there are gatekeepers in position for, for, for initiation. They're gatekeepers in position for accessing traditional religious systems. They're gatekeepers in position to ensure that the economy of Lukumi in Cuba is, goes unbroken, is not disturbed. It, it continues to be supported and maintained. There are those who are maintaining an economy of, of tourism-based initiatory ceremonies in West Africa. Nigeria is a good example. You know, we give you ceremony, we give you ritual, we give you African Americans, you know, a connection to the motherland. But no, your your initiation gives you no power. No, your initiation gives you no authority. No, your initiation gives you no no title. Uh, and I've seen that with many who travel to West Africa to receive ceremony. I've seen it happen with people who travel to Haiti to receive ceremony. And the idea that you can initiate in a visit, in a weekend, in a couple of weeks, is just not realistic. No one can learn algebra, for God's sake, you know, in a week under those conditions, you know, um, and with all the hands-on environmental you know, attributes that go along with, with, with traveling. So we've got gatekeepers even that are in position to limit access for the African born in America and their ability to connect to what we perceive to be our roots. And we've been taught to always seek our roots outside ourselves somewhere else. So we got to go to Haiti to get our group back. We got to go to Jamaica. We got to go to Dominican Republic. We got to go to Brazil. We got to go to uh, uh, Zanzibar. Uh, do they still exist? Um, South Africa. We have to go to Tanzania, you know, to get our group back. Neglecting that our ancestors are with us forever and eternally with us and, and stand up in our blood stand up in our in our DNA. And indeed that is being activated. Many of you are dreaming dreams. Many of you are seeing visions. Some of us have had extraterrestrial uh contact. If you know, we, we need to do a whole show on just that. Uh the, the notion, the idea that, you know, extraterrestrial technology 
could have indeed been misinterpreted by our oldest of ancestors as something divine, as something magical, as something supernatural. And so, indeed, all of our water on earth, all of our mineral deposits on earth come from the sky, come come from outer space, come from the cosmos, come from, from indeed the universe. And so there are gatekeepers in place to limit even our growth and our awareness of cosmic and universal consciousness, cosmic and universal mass, cosmic and universal uh, time space. We're shifting, did you all notice the shift between linear time and space time, you know, in our government? It's just adding a colon and another set of numbers, you know, but we're beginning to move by way of technology, by way of, you know, math, by way of uh, uh, development. We're, we're moving forward in consciousness as, as humanity, as inhabitants that are riding Earth you know, as a space vessel at this time. And indeed, there are gatekeepers that are protecting, limiting people's access to what might otherwise be dangerous. Not just what might be controversial, not just what might be unpopular, but, but what could be perceived as dangerous, could break the foundations of humanity, could break the very foundations of how, you know, black people think, for, for example, as a community, as a collective. And, and if we just shifted one thing, you know, how we spend our money or how we vote as a collective body, you know, we could literally shake the foundations of America and, and, and possibly the globe, the global economy. We, we know China is another example of a place with enough human bodies to shift the course of, of, of the globe, the course of, of, of humanity. So there are indeed gatekeepers in place that ensure that certain knowledge is disseminated uh, or not disseminated in certain communities, among certain groups of people, among certain demographics, and that we maintain a certain... Yeah, I, I knew that neophyte Bokur went... And I said Rollins. <laughs> I, I knew that. You know, I just embraced. You know, you're Rollins right now. I just, I just embraced that. But I got you, beloved. Yeah, uh, uh, Rollins, Neophyte Bokur has talked about. You know, gatekeeping in terms of access to. You know, uh, what's being carried across the country in these trucks, and we're given one story, one scenario one understanding of what's happening, you know, on the news or from your government officials. And then you have these actual people in the food chain, these truckers, the drivers, the security, you know, the the people who have to do the lifting, you know, that are in place, um, who are reporting a very different scenario than sometimes what's disseminated to the public. And certainly um, information that someone, some group, some inner structure deems dangerous or important enough to protect, enough to guard, um, establish a system of gatekeeping that separates 
the regular folks, the masses, often the, the people on the ground doing the work from real truths. And real truths that could be self-empowering. Real truths that could benefit the person, the individual. You know, it reminds me of, I got two stories. One goes way back to like childhood and another one is more recent, like Hurricane Katrina. Uh, so I'm going to tell the childhood. You know, I remember the first time I saw any sign of hoodoo, hoodoo, in practice, in your face, but hidden right in your face. Um, we were members of Potomac Baptist Church. Uh, I believe that's Northeast Washington, D.C., right across from uh, DuPont Park. Beautiful place, beautiful church, old stone. Um, I'm not sure who built that church originally. Uh, out of the ground up, stone, you know, masonry kind of kind of church. Not a Catholic church, very small structure, as, as a matter of fact, as far as churches go, particularly churches of today, uh, but certainly bigger than a storefront. Um, had its own plot of land set up on a hill, uh, and, and had a very similar uh, yard structure to Fort DuPont Park. Pine trees, you know, uh, evergreen bushes. I, I remember um, elderberry and, and some other, you know, seasonal plants that were in that environment. And it's the first time I saw a Catholic saint in a so-called black church environment and begin to ask questions about what's going on here? What are we really doing? Um, and, and I was probably, I don't know, five, six, maybe, when we started going to that, to that church, um, black Baptist spiritualist church at that time. Um, pastors, pastors died. Pastors passed away. Churches gained new administrations. I don't know who owns or, or possesses that building today. But I'm speaking of, you know, the 1970s. <laughs> okay, to sort of date myself. Uh, and it was the first time I saw actual statuary of what I knew and understood, even at that age, to be Catholic saints in a black religious church environment, right out in the open, but not spoken of, not referenced to. And so I remember the Mary and Jesus and the St. Jude and, and um, you know, some of the other saints that, that you know, were depicted in, in that space right as you came into the foyer. And then a few, you know, with inside the body um, of, of this church, uh, and it was the first outward sign to me, even though at that age I didn't know quite what it was. I didn't understand quite what it meant. I couldn't, you know, obviously tie it all together. But, you know, I, I had a gift. Um, you know, monsters shine a certain color for me. Um, angels turn purple, you know, in my presence. I, I, I can't explain it. Um, my mom at the time probably would have said, um, all is a blessing, um, beloved. We we probably need to speak off air. That would be good so we can get caught up 
and I can assist you, you know, in any way possible. But all is a blessing. I get it. I do. Um, so I had, as a, as a child, a gift that allowed me to see things, you know, even in the midst of ritual tradition and, and people sort of moving in some ways, as I would describe, sort of blindly, almost as if in a trance, just fulfilling a role, fulfilling a ritual, going through movements, almost in slow motion, while this spiritual reality, this spiritual truth played itself out in front of me as a child. Um, So my mom might have said I was a gossipy child. Um, I knew a lot of people's business in the church that I probably shouldn't know and in many cases had no way of knowing um, at a very young age. And, And I would come out, you know, when I was allowed to, I would come out talking about it. Almost every Sunday, the minute I would get in the car, I would go into a critique of what I had seen and what I had experienced and, and what I witnessed and, and what it meant, you know, or, or didn't mean, or, or just trying to seek answers for. Um, and at that time, no one said directly what it was, what it meant. I remember going to a member's house. I believe her name was Catherine Coates at the time. Um, may she rest in heaven. I, I know she passed away maybe in the mid-1980s. I remember going to her house and seeing this green table set up, a table with green cloth and silverware on top of the table and coins, silver coins in some of the placements on the table and green liquid and green candles and, and, and you know, and I knew there was more so what I was saying, I, I knew there was more than what they were saying on Sunday morning between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. in front of me. And at that time, no one was speaking to it. No one was saying. I, I remember the first time we visited another church. Some of you have heard me tell the story, a popular church at the time in, in northeast D.C. The, the name will come to me in a minute. Um And at that time, the thing was to shout, you know, what preacher, what gospel choir from whatever town, from whatever temple, you know, could roll through and just wreck a place, you know, just cause people to to fall out and to faint and and, and to, you know, to catch the spirit. You know, we got all kind of code words for for catching the spirit. And, And that was the thing at the time. You know, you were the most popular singer. You were the most popular gospel choir. You were the most popular preacher, you know, if you could create an ecstatic experience within within the ceremony. That was a thing in, in 1980. And so I remember visiting this church and people falling out and, and catching the spirit, and I'm seeing angels, demons, jinn, ghosts. I'm seeing all kind of stuff going on in the room. I'm at a tennis match, you know, um, and a girl not far from me, but someone that I knew from our home church, you know, called what what they say called the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues. And this is a real tongue. Now I know the difference between gibberish and hikamahanda versus real tongues. Um, the hair stand up on my arms when I'm in the presence of real tongues. I I feel electromagnetic 
where's the electromagnetic energy all over my body when I'm in the presence of real spirit? Um, and so this girl, you know, was having her ecstatic moment, and she was speaking a tongue, and, and here come the, you know, in, in the Baptist tradition, the, the women in white, you know, Obatala with, with the large pieces of white cloth and fabric, you know, with fans to cool her off and, and to, you know, in my in my understanding then and even more so now to contain this energy, to contain this power, to contain this spirit. So indeed they were gatekeepers. And as my family transitioned from sort of the black Baptist spiritual church to evangelical Christianity, um, it was identified as gatekeeping. They just didn't call it that. But 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 the pastors, you know, in the evangelical churches, the bishops and evangelists love to talk about, you know, you Baptist folks, you know, that catch the Holy Ghost and then you create a human chain, a human circle around the individual and fan them down and give them smelling salts and all this kind of stuff, you know, to, to kill, to quiet, to bind, to control that energy. So even as a child, I was able to feel, perceive, and identify gatekeepers. They would just turn green in my view, in my vision. They would turn another color. And often I would see sometimes months, years before others would see. And my first audience, my first inner circle, my first witnesses were my mother and my sister Wapani. And my and my God sister Tessie and people who I was close to at the time, uh, the, the people that I gossiped with, the people that I said, "Child, did you see sister so and so, brother so and so, and what they did and how they acted and how they maneuvered?" And we were very precocious children. All of us, you know, were very precocious and highly sensitive, highly empathic to the presence of energy. And I think that has increased in environments where children are not allowed to speak and not allowed to speak freely and not, not allowed to speak their mind. Uh, and certainly in my environment, lived in, in fear of the backhand. You know, you could just literally just catch a backhand, you know, from, from nowhere. <laughs> you know, you could catch a, a backhand, you know, grocery store, church, it didn't matter. You know, in that day and time, you could catch a backhand depending on your parents and the dynamics of your family for speaking out or over-speaking. And so we then learned how to be quiet, how to hold secrets, how to keep things within, how to analyze over time, engage urgency, engage what's important. Um, I'm experiencing right now sort of a season of clients and callers and and uh, friends, you know, with exaggerated ideas of urgency, what's urgent, what's, what, what's an emergency, you know. So, so someone texts you and says, it's an urgent, I, I got to speak to you, it, it, it's an emergency, you know, and then you call and we discuss the weather and what's on TV right now, and what you had for dinner, uh, that's not urgent. That's not an emergency. 
And, and I think we approach even life in the crossroads looking for, and in, in some cases creating fires for, for ourselves and often for other people. Some of you are creating fires for other people. And that's one of my personal rules, pet peeves. Other people can't create fires for me. You can't create an emergency and then put it on me. Um, I've been in emergency. I've been in urgency. I've been without power. I've been without home. (laughs) You know, I've been without food, you know, in, in the course of over a half a century, you know, of my being in existence. I know what an urgency and an emergency is. And often had no one other than the system, maybe, you know, religious institutions, Salvation Army, Red Cross, you know, FEMA, you know, to turn to, you know, but but couldn't always call mother, father, sister, brother, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt. And and many of you are in that scenario. If your car broke down right now, if your lights went out right now, who would you call? Who would be your support? Who who would be your backup, you know, in, in those moments? So I, being a, a runaway child who went through a season of always creating urgency, because I'm always speaking from my own truth. Um, I, I was that child who was all out there, broken, battered, abused, um, mental health needing checks, you know, whatever the case may be as a teenager on the street, but also learning how to create fires and expecting other people to put it out. Grandma, it's an emergency over here. Can you help me out? Can you send me money? Can you give me a a bus ticket out of here to the next destination where I'm going to create another fire, another emergency, you know, and ask you to help me to pay my rent or to keep my lights on or to, you know, keep my cell phone on, you know, while we live and become grown adults and in some cases have children and, and grandchildren and, and don't break that cycle of creating self-creating fires, roadblocks, the illusion of the challenge, the issue of the block. Some of us get our power from that illusion of a block. I, I, once upon a time, I really believed that I, I was at my best under pressure. I was at my best in a state of urgency. That was my reality at the time. And so I believed at the time that that was indeed my truth, you know, only to praise the ancestors and the Most High to grow and and mature spiritually and, and really experience and understand what true independence is, what true autonomy really is. And so they're a gatekeeper in position to make sure that you never access your initiation, that you never figure out who your ethnic group and your people really are, that you never figure out, you know, who your, in some cases, your parents, your grandparents are or really were. That they're gatekeepers in the way, positioned to keep you afloat, in the in the sea of, of of the unknown, to keep you wandering. For those of you who like to wander and sojourn and travel from town to town and taste the fruit and smell the flowers, you know, from village to village, which which is 
a beautiful experience, but also time-consuming, time-consuming. And, and there's a clock that's in motion that can't be stopped, can't be halted, can't be turned back. <laughs> you know, we don't like to talk about it a lot, but it, indeed it is. And, and it begins to show up and give itself color and presence, you know, in, in our reality. And, and we mature and we, and we grow and, and we learn to embrace and love ourselves and who we are and who we're becoming. But indeed, as you, as you get older, you either become more free of the gatekeeper or that much more settled in to accepting a gatekeeper to present information, to present power. To yourself, and, and and let's not forget, you know, the first gatekeeper is, is up here, is it, it, in your own head, your own ori, you know, in, in your own set, because indeed the knowledge can be presented to you, can be right in your face, the truth can be offered, and if your gatekeeper is blocking, is refusing entry, it, it's not allowing even ourselves to be still, to know when to, you know, because sometimes you can talk, you know, somebody in my past life used to say, uh, greetings, Orisha, beloved. Iba'i, Orisha, Mojuba, Orisha, thank you so much, you and your beautiful family, for your continued support and and love and and presence. Uh, But someone, you know, in in my past life also used to say, uh, misery life company, had all kind of, you know, quick thought philosophy, you know, a lot of quick thought, uh, what do you call them, Um, sayings, you know, that became a part of my inner thinking process. And, And that subsequently becomes your own gatekeeper. And so we can then, even through religion or political positioning or even through our own pain, some of you have experienced pain to the level, to the, to the degree that you've shut yourself off to, to love and, and ultimately to, to some truth, to some reality because of our, our fear of pain in association to the illusion of some person, place, thing, event. And so we're, we're, we're completely closed and we're completely shut off. Uh, That person in my past life used to say, you can't hear with your mouth open, meaning you can't talk and continue to talk and express and and re-express and and stress your opinion and and not hear, not stop long enough to hear what may very well be of value to us. Because often it's of great value if we could just hear it. And so sometimes it means, yeah, zip it. <laughs> yeah, put, put, put some tape on it, put a lock on it, you know, and listen. Often, more often than not, if we listen, we will hear the truth. And spirit will acknowledge and confirm the truth. If, if, if we're just willing to listen. It's when we get in that place where we can't listen, won't listen, that the gatekeepers have, have done their job. And have programmed us well to not hear and not 
respond to certain stimuli that could otherwise be of our best interest. So, you know, pastors have generationally been gatekeepers to allow and and, and gain access to, you know, and and there was a time and place in history where it was, you know, to our benefit. It It was the only safe space that we had was the church, the black church, um, it was the only gathering spot we may have had access to, you know, legally, rightfully. You know, it was the only place that we could gather and speak quietly and discuss things. And so it, it had and has had and continues to some degree to have its place, you know, in, in our reality. But we now have, you know, generations of young people who, and older folks like myself, who are just not having it anymore, who are just not um, accepting the old songs, the old truths, the old traditions, the old ways of doing things and addressing things. And so we're now seeing a micromanagement of gatekeeping. And indeed it is the, you know, the, the community that seeks the silence and seeks to shut down, you know, a particular celebrity or a particular voice or a particular position. And some of these positions, rightfully so, need to be shut down, need to be limited. But we, we also can't create a space in which true speakers, true, T-R-U-T-H, speakers, can't speak freely to the truth without backlash from the community, without concern of how many likes or follows or subscribing, you know, will will speaking the truth gain me as opposed to, you know, coming on here naked (laughs) or coming on here in a clown costume and entertaining you or, or creating funny little skits, you know, to tickle your thighs and you know, to pinch your funny bone, you know. And there's a place for that. My family, my supporters, my community, they say this ain't the space for that. Noon, high noon, U.S. Senate time. That, that they appreciate hearing the truth, the real spiritual truth. And so this rash of spell keepers, spell makers, ritual workers, whose lives are in a hot mess. And and, and we know that's not a read. We know that because your lives are on social media for the most part. But you're offering prosperity work. You're offering love and relationship work. You're you're offering a a quick magic spell to make things bright and sunny in, in 48 hours, 72 hours. These are gatekeepers, and their, and their jobs are to limit, keep keep you spinning, keep you questioning, keep you, you know, in, in the gameplay, you know, of, of hockey. <laughs> you know, take, table, you ever played tabletop hockey? They, they want to keep you in play, keep you in motion without ever allowing you to pass through the goalposts, without allowing you true access to self-empowerment, self-enrichment. Indeed, becoming an authentic 
healer, practitioner, musician, artisan, writer, creator. There's, there's so many realms for the magical to manifest our magic in. We need more writers. We need more script writers. We need more uh, um, agents and agencies that, that, that represent who and what we are. And indeed, we need more spiritual centers, spiritual temples. Because again, many are falling out of, falling away from the mainstream gatekeeper of religion and are now seeking to express their truths, you know, in other ways. And right now that's happening through the Botanica, that's happening through social media, that it's happening, you know, in a small town wherever you are. But we need to take these empty buildings, these abandoned, you know, churches and and rec centers and, and indeed turn them into cultural centers indeed turn them into educational centers about ancestry, about genealogy, about indigenous practice, indigenous worldview, you know, and help us to continue to grow beyond the gatekeepers and the confines of the gates, the, the velvet ropes that keep us separate from those that we perceive to have access and having access to information indeed affords access to resources. It's, it's not always uh, directly to a check, but if, if I know of a job and I don't tell you a job exists, but I only share it with five of my good people, that, then that's a missed opportunity. Uh, there's a word for that, you know, in, in government, in, in the military, in the workspace, for, for fraternizing and, and, and keeping certain information held to vest only for those of your family, of your community. And, and it seems, I'm not saying how true it is, but it seems everyone does that but us. <laughs> every ethnic group, every, you know, uh, new uh, member of our community, of our society, they come and they support each other and, and, and build, you know, housing and security and, and, and employment for each other, for themselves. I don't know what just happened with my chat. Um, okay. And, and it appears, I say it appears because it, it, they're always running the truth. It appears that others are better at that than we are. And so there is the gatekeeper, indeed, who makes sure that their community, their organization, and those who are determined administrators of said organization reap the the cream of the crop, reap the, the whole of the benefits, reap the balance of the check, and then administer by way of associates and subordinate members (laughs) of of the community, you know, relegate, designate, you know, organize, you know, and and then maybe pinch you off a piece. And so we've got to be more conscious, 
especially in this virtual space of who we're lifting up, who we're praising, who we're making famous. There's a whole movement, and and I don't know the guy's name. I'm not even going to say the guy's name if I could remember the guy's name. Um, Overtly gay. You all know who I'm talking about. He's he's known for doing the I'm no longer gay. I'm not gay. I'm, I'm, I'm delivered. Hallelujah. I'm delivered. You know, I, I won't wear dresses anymore. I won't carry pocketbooks anymore. Y'all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about. It's funny. It's humorous. It's entertaining. Uh, the boys getting rich off of those keystrokes. Others are, you know, slicing it, dicing it, editing it. Resharing it. Foolishness. Foolishness. And then people like Dr. Savy, may he rest in our room. Oh my goodness. Do you understand what Dr. Savy went through as he died, before he died, as he was dying, and, and, and the subsequent. And, and Dr. Savy wasn't rich, wealthy. Oh, Dr. Sabi's popular now. You use Dr. Sabi to sort of promote your profiles and your posts. and Yeah, but when Dr. Sabi was alive, except for those who, who were in the food chain, who were clients of Dr. Sabi, supporters of Dr. Sabi, donators of Dr. Sabi, friends in, in many cases with Dr. Sabi, had met Dr. Sabi on, on many occasions, just like a church, just like most organizations, there's going to be, you know, a dozen, two dozen, depends on the size of the organization, three dozen people who are going to be committed no matter what, who are not going to change no matter what, who, who are going to understand the root of what the mission is no matter what. And then you're going to have fans and frenemies and the nosy and, and the the, uh, what do you call it, the voyeurs that are going to pass through. And sometimes that, that looks like a crowd of people passing through. And, and other times it, it don't look like a lot of people walking past. But, again, the roots of the tree are, are fertilized and nourished, you know, and, and fed through constant activity, through, through constant interacting with the weather getting out there in the middle of the crossroads, getting out there in the middle of the street. And so, you know, we cannot continue to allow gatekeepers to determine what's faddish, what's trending, what's popular, what's useful about root work, hoodoo, conjure, ifa, bond, airway, kandable, palo, you know, just for entertainment like follow, you know, to build up streaming opportunities. We've got to see a more concentrated, consistent demonstration footprint that indeed we've made the shift because there are other people who are watching our demonstration who, who too want freedom from in, inner enslavement mental enslavement, spiritual enslavement, religious enslavement, economic enslavement. And they're indeed looking to our demonstration, what we do and how successful our demonstration is 
to follow, much like our younger people, much, much like our children, much like the grassroots community. Some people, some people need to see a change before they believe in the change and, and then want to participate and be a party to that change. But, but we can't continue to focus all the energy on, on magic, fantasy, temporary spells, temporary entertainment. We cannot. And so I will continue to be present at high noon, U.S. and Standard Time, on many platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, EarthCam, StreamYard. I will continue to be present both on and off the air. I will continue to move things forward. I've got big projects on the table, and some of you are aware on things that have to be filmed and and moved forward um, are in the works. Um, and for that, I'm grateful. And sometimes it interferes, you know, sometimes it intersects with, with scheduling. And, but I'm here for you. I'm here with you in your endeavors. I love each and every one of you. I'm grateful for your continued support and, and shows of support in helping us to grow and develop as a community, as a family, as a team, and continue to move things forward in revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans, voodoo secrets and recipes. Um, so we've still got some time. If indeed you have questions, comments, or requests, I'm here for you. If you are on my phone lines, I'm grateful for those of you who are on my phone lines. Uh, that area code 202, I, I see you. Thank you, beloved. If you have a question, comment, or request, do press the number one, and I will open your, your mic and bring you in. Uh, otherwise, those of you who are in the, the live chat, who are seeing me now by way of video, you can follow the StreamYard.com forward slash XVCPUXVY9I. And I will also screen you and then bring you in. I will, I will never bring anyone on camera ever again without screening you first. So thank you very, very, very much. Um, <laughs> Mish Kanet, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. That sounds very Ethiopian, by the way. Mish Kanet. I love the sound of that. Um, yeah, that and Andrew Caldwell. Yeah. That's the one, very entertaining, it's humorous, some people might find it cute, some people might not think it's cute, but it's entertainment worthy for sure, but it has it has grown legs and has become a life of its own, and, and some of us wonder, well, why certain things trend more than others, why certain things show up more in, in our feed than others, and indeed it has everything to do a, a first with your settings. But secondly, with what you respond to, what you look at, what you're willing to entertain. And so these algorithms that some of you just fear um, certainly know a great deal more about us than many people know about their family and their friends in today's cultural dynamics. Uh, back in the 70s, you, you had to memorize every phone number that you knew. You, you knew your mama, your friends, your sisters, your brother. You you knew those phone numbers by memory. And if you didn't, you, you had a phone book that you had to write that down in and keep up with. 
Today, how many of you have your mother, your sister, your brother, your friend, your job, your kids' school phone numbers memorized? Or is that in your device? Another gatekeeper is <laughs> our own device. You know, and and some of us without that device would be at a loss, at least temporarily, would be at a loss. So um, this is a powerful topic, gatekeeping, uh, how gatekeepers have shown up in politics, have shown up in, in religion, continue to show up in economics. There are indeed gatekeepers who determine what's being built in your community, and and not just the politicians, but your outspoken community activists, any one of you under the sound of my voice could be an outspoken community activist who's publicly known, facially recognized, they know your name, you're sitting in city council, you're showing up to the, to the planning meeting, you're keeping up with the documentation, and you too can be a gatekeeper of your community to ensure certain things are being done, being built, being accessed to within the dynamics of your block. I'm just telling you it's more than a notion. And it's a reason that many of us don't do it. It's a reason that many of you do not do it or refuse to do it. And then there's others who may not understand just how accessible that dynamic of your community is to your participation and your involvement. And so there are activists sitting now in the sound of my voice who don't realize until right now that you're an activist that can absolutely get involved in your community, the planning committee, the city council, your your local mayor, your local municipalities, counties, uh, we have parishes in Louisiana, and get more actively involved in your community. It's a whole nother world, a whole nother language. Understanding the language and, and, and the code words used and, and how grants are, are distributed, how funding for certain projects in, in your community are gained and, and then developed. Very interesting journey uh, for my avid readers and researchers out there, I shared earlier the link to the actual uh, COINTEL file uh, from the uh, Freedom of Information and Privacy Act, uh, HBO, I'm sorry, not HBO, <laughs> I got HBO on the mind, forgive me, uh, COINTEL Pro, Hoodwink, Better Bureau of Investigation, um, and you can not only read about COINTEL Pro, but about other the gangster era, uh, organized crime, popular culture, Supreme Court, um, unexplained phenomena, UFO study, and how our government has and probably continues to uh, keep check on what we say, what we do, what we post, indeed what becomes popular, what trends. I've noticed that um, I gain a certain footing in TikTok, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a glitch, there's, there's a flag, there's a warning, um, and, and things slow way down. And someone, and probably outside our country, because the matter of the fact is when you call 
Cox, when you call Comcast, when you call AT&T, you know, when you call what you believe to be local businesses, often you're speaking to people in other countries. And so I believe even our technicians, hello, okay, you get the accent. I'm not prejudiced to accents. I'm not prejudiced to, to dialect. I'm not prejudiced to language. But I am suggesting that we're communicating more and more and more with people outside of our country who don't share our politics, who don't necessarily share all of our beliefs, want American technology, want American lifestyle, but don't support many American ideas, values. And that would include those of black people, those of brown people, those of the minority and the ethnic minority within the country. And so I believe, call it a conspiracy, that they are indeed technicians, the people that are helping you to fix what's going on with your Internet, fix what's going on with your cell phone or in other locations and around the world, and indeed have an opportunity to interrupt, affect, you know, control who has access to what within the dynamics of our, of our society. We learned that recently, again, firsthand, Hurricane Ida. AT&T went out for the entire city. Government, a lot of our city government was codependent on AT&T. We have huge AT&T building right on Porter Street here in New Orleans. And from my understanding, power is still not right in those three, four, five blocks on Porter Street. The traffic lights don't even work still um, in that area closest to AT&T, but we all lost all of our AT&T um, during that storm, and then subsequently all the power went out. But, you know, our technology, which is really moving things forward in the world, is often governed, controlled, operated outside of our community. And and how many math with, computer with, you know, do we really know? You know, Beyond your cable man, beyond the, the nice guy who comes out and makes sure your, your cable is working and your Internet is set up. But, but beyond that, who's filling those jobs? Who's fulfilling those positions? And, and to what role, to what degree does it affect access to gatekeeping into our community for resources and for information? Greetings, Kevin Brooks. He still remembers his parents' home phone number. Yes, so do I. I I still remember my grandmother's phone number, my mother's mother's phone number, address, um, you know, important details, more so than any of the new numbers that I'm I'm now having to interact with. Uh, Let's see, Samantha Rothschild, did you recommend that we start our day by asking our Ori to show us more? Oh, yeah that you start your day first with how do you feel? Even before you wake up, if that's possible, before you jump up out of bed, and some of you got children, got schedules, got pets, got alarm clocks, but those of us who still can sleep and wake up when your body wakes up naturally, before you open your eyes, how do you feel? How do I feel? Always breathing fully, deeply. How do I feel? 
This is also how you determine where you are in your shadow work. How do I feel? How do I feel? Is God still in control? Second question, is God still in control? Are the ancestors still in control? Those three questions right there alone help you establish where you are in terms of shadow work, where you are in terms of what you need to do. Because if, if you can't answer them in an affirmative, if you can't get the best response from how do you feel, and listen, I'm not suggesting it's easy. If it helps you to understand, I'm greatly challenged every single day with waking up human. Every day. I kid you not, no cap. <laughs> As the kids say, no cap. I wake up every single day challenged with humanity. Oh, God, I'm still a human. I'm still here. I'm still in this body. I'm still on earth. I still got to deal every day. And so it took years of chanting, of meditating, of mantra to wake up as I do today and feel alive, feel connected, feel empowered, and feel like God. Do you feel like God when you wake up in the morning? Do you feel like the goddess when you realize that you're still alive, that you're breathing and about to see the light again? Do you feel like God? Do you feel like you're in control? Do you feel like God and the ancestors are in control? Those are the critical questions to determining if you have shadow work, where it is, and then how to determine how to approach it. So, yes, Ori, your head, your consciousness, looking into the, not directly into the sun, but looking into the light, looking at the rising of the sun, breathing that in, taking that in, accepting your role as co-creator in the process. I am, God is, the ancestors are, we are. Absolutely. Ori, your head and ancestors is in your blood. And then grounding that energy. Because some of us are challenged with just grounding that energy. The first Four hours I wake up, I'm in the air. My feet are up here somewhere off the floor. I'm floating in the air. I can do, you know, regular stuff, I can, but I'm sort of robotic. I'm in my thoughts. And in the best-case scenario, I don't want to talk. I don't want to communicate out loud. I need that silence. If I have to get up early in the morning, I need that silence to Answer those questions. How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel? Are you are you glad to be here? That would be question number two. Are you glad to be here? Is God still in control? Is God still in control? Are the ancestors still in control? And there are other questions, but those would be the four basic. And if you can't answer that in an affirmative, if you can't answer that with some clarity within yourself, and once you open your eyes and come out here, then 
you coming out the wrong side of the bed or you, you stepping out of a dimensional space that you're now carrying into your present moment and time space. So I'm not suggesting it's easy. I'm not suggesting it comes quick. Some of us need some time. So I, so I learned the mantra, all is a blessing, all is a blessing. Because I'm going to say that first to me before I even text it to my mama or to Wapani or to Yvette. You know, I, I'm going to first say it within myself, all is a blessing. No matter how I'm feeling, all is a blessing. No matter what the illusion might look like, all is a blessing. And, and you say it until you make it. You say it until you can stand in it. That's why I say the black woman is God. The black woman is God. The black woman is God. I say it at least three times. So you heard me. You felt me. You internalized. You digest it. So, yeah, that Ori work, first thing in the morning, what you think about, what you say to yourself, how you feel, what do you believe about who you are, about your power, about your truth, that's all Ori work. That's all part of Lave Tech and the instruction that comes with that. Uh, do you recommend that we ask Ori? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe not, yeah, okay, what we're ready to see, but to show me, your Ori knows where you are on your journey. Your Ori knows what degree of, of what you can handle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, Shamap, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, once you see it, um, as beloved brother Rollins says, you, you can't unsee it. Once you speak that truth, ask for that truth, you can't then unsee it. You can't then undo it. You can't then go back to, you must then evolve. You must then change. And I've never been here to say, flee from your synagogue, flee from your temple, run from your church. I've never been that guy. But God, you keep asking God for truth. You keep asking God to show you. You keep asking God to lead you away from from harm, from your enemies, from your blockages. And and he says, go that way, and you keep going back to that way. (laughs) You know, there's a problem. There's indeed a problem. And so you have to evolve. You have to change. You have to grow. It might be your call to evolve, change, and grow that environment for which you are in. And that's not always easy either. Sometimes the friends, the family, those closest to you um, can be the most challenging in hearing that truth. And so that's where demonstration comes in. Uh, 30 years ago, my mama wasn't trying to hear me. Many people weren't trying to hear me. But it took some time of watching my demonstration and connecting those two, what he says he believes, what he keeps saying he believes, and then what, how he acts in, in, in several scenarios, the light scenario, the dark scenario, the dry scenario, the wet scenario. Life is full of weather. And then people begin to understand and, 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 and embrace the truth and maybe even embrace the, the truth in a way that's 
similar to how we view and see that truth. Thank you, uh, Kevin Brooks. Thank you, everyone, so much. I appreciate you. Um, He says, I speak the truth because he applied the work at home as a Google customer service. None of those positions was for him or for someone from America. And if there's a position, you must be able to speak uh, another language, a second language, multiple languages, numerous languages. Yeah, Kevin Brooks, I get it. I used to work for, uh, and I probably shouldn't do this on air, but I'm going to do it, um, work at home agent, uh, West, West. W-E-S-T. Um, I'm trying to remember what that those acronyms mean. Uh, but they were work at home agents. All your Soul 70s commercials, your Life of Zine uh, commercials. Um, you know, many of those 800 Call Me Now commercials uh, were done from at home. And, and, and let me tell you, it was 17 cents to 27 cents a minute. Home Shopping Network, uh, Toys R Us, I think. Um, just crazy, real job, real job. You know, you're you're asked to operate more than one screen, open more than one platform. Uh, they can monitor your keystrokes, so you can't be in Facebook while you're supposed to be taking people's credit card numbers and all that kind of stuff. It's a real job. Uh, they test you, make you jump. You know, if you're good at testing, like I am, easy into this job. You know, you got to study some stuff. You know, for a week. You take these tests. Um, Kevin, I'm talking and still trying to remember the details. Working home agent, Wes. Um, there's another name they go by. Um, it'll come to me. But, yeah, it was that kind of work. And at first, and maybe you felt the same thing, I felt empowered. I, I felt self-employed. I felt, wow, I can do this from at home. You know, in my shorts, in my in my gown, you know, with my coffee and, and whatnot, you know, with, with my TV on caption, you know. And then it started feeling like a job. Then it started feeling like a job. You know, I committed to, you know, 60 hours. I committed to 80 hours. You know, I was the overtime guy. If people dropped hours, I was picking them up. And, you know, once you committed to an hour, you know, from 12, from noon to 1, you know, from 1.30 to 2 o'clock, you had to work that hour or those half hours that you committed to. And so they allowed you to pick up, you know, you went 20 hours, you went 40 hours, you could pick that up. Then it began to feel like a job. Oh, yeah. Then it began to feel like a job. Uh, then the callers begin to get on your nerves. Then they get suspicious and they start sending test callers whose job is to get on your nerves. I hope y'all understand that. Um, They send mystery callers. I'm a mystery caller, if y'all don't know. I am a mystery caller. I'm that guy who calls and tests your business and tests the customer service and, and how was I treated. I'm one of those people. Yeah, and I had to get out of there. That It was not for me. And I think we are often looking for to pay the bills. This isn't a judgment. We're looking to pay the bills. Some of you are looking for an easier way, looking for the shortcut. I think that's human nature. Uh, And and then the ideas 
but it's relative. And the idea that we must work for our eat, for our meat, you know, has been ingrained in the programming, certainly of Christianity and many other, you know, world-dominating religious practices and, and traditions. But the notion of really how our ancestors, our indigenous and aboriginal ancestors lived um, was a more communal, um, self-employable, you know, you were good at what you were good at, and then you sold and or traded that. You had access to certain resources, so you processed those resources and you sold and or traded that. And so the world dynamic has shifted, but I think that still exists. But figuring out what your niche is, figuring out what feels good to you, what feels best to you, um, and is still going to generate, you know, self-employable. Greetings, Posh, beloved. Greetings, Beverly McFadden. Oh, my goodness. Tessie, beloved, everybody here today. Oh, my goodness. Um, but finding what really fits you, what adheres to who you are and how you vibrate and, and, and what's not going to get on your nerves. I don't think anything that pays your bills, um, it's, it's just going to be free of any kind of drama whatsoever. I, I mean, nothing. I, I don't care what the industry, what the enterprise, what the service, even if you're hands-off, you, you got staff, you got everybody in position, something about that is going to irritate you. I, I mean, it's just a fact of life. You might love pecans. You might love picking pecans. But you might not like shelling pecans. You you might love shrimp, but the idea of peeling a shrimp, deveining a shrimp, okay, then that's a little bit more work. And and everybody's not cut out for that either. I don't eat everybody's potato salad. I don't eat everybody's shrimp product. Everybody don't know how to clean shrimp or, or that cleaning is even necessary. Everybody don't understand crawfish requires some cleaning. Inside and out, you know, and so that job is not for everybody, but we find the job, we find the niche, and forgive me for sounding like Oprah, that you enjoy, that feels most like you, that, that you know, applies your best skills and abilities, and then you find a way to generate an income around that. That's shifting now with the depletion of resources on the planet. You know, product, recreating product, redoing product, renewing product, repackaging product. Now we have digital devices and, and virtual realities, and so now it's mind power, which is already mind power. You know, how strong is your math? How strong is your verbiage? How strong is your word usage? How strong is your ability to explain something, to teach something, to tell an interesting story, to write an interesting song, to come up with, you know, challenging but uh, um, enticing lyrics? You know, that's where skill today, and particularly with the younger generations, is really showing up. And so they're popping out of the womb with the idea of not wanting a job. But, but they want to be a star, they want to be an entertainer, or they want to be an athlete, or they want to 
you know, be a creator. And, and whether you're born in the, the 2000s, you know, for your 20-something, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, you know, it, it's never too late to use your brain power to shift the dynamics of your ultimate reality, almost like a computer, you know, having to recalibrate how you envision your reality, how you envision your world, how you envision, you know, your universe, and then line things up to where one is in alignment with the other. One matches your best interest. One mirrors your own image. We see God in our own image. I believe we created God in our own image. And even if you believe God is up there and in the sky and it's beyond us, indeed, we created God in our own image. We are up there in the sky and beyond us. And just maybe we're looking up into our own face. We're looking, call it extraterrestrial, call it divine consciousness, call it something that comes from another space, time, place. But just imagine we could be looking up at our at ourselves, that the supposed extraterrestrial, the supposed alien is really us in the future, us in another dimensional space, us in another place and time looking back, looking down at ourselves. So entertain that as a thought. Entertain that as a spiritual notion. I'm looking at the clock. It's 1.50, and I do have something in the oven. <laughs> so I'm grateful for everybody, family, friends, loved ones, lifelong loved ones. Tessie, thank you so much, girlfriend, for being here today. Uh, thank you, Anil Fight-Bokul, one of my favorite co-hosts for showing up. One of my regulars, Nina Lloyd, Beverly McFadden, my beloved Tosh Carter, hair, makeup, styling, sex. Tosh does it all, yes, okay? Tosh does it all. Um, thank you, Kevin Brooks, Shamafia, beloved Shamafia. Thank you for your consistency and your co-hosting and your presence. Um, I want to say your name right. Mish Connect. Thank you so much for being with us. Beloved Arisha, you and your family, Chef Fuji. Thank you so much, Tomcat. Greetings, beloved. Um, you feel familiar even though you have a new name, Tomcat. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, Rambo, the Don, greetings, greetings. Nick Sage Hall, welcome, beloved. I, too, am a, am a MX, period. I, too, am a mix. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you. Uh, the Goat Rider, the Master Builder, Danette uh, uh, Gibbs, thank you, thank you so much. I hope I didn't miss anybody. Tasha, the beloved Tasha Harris, Tasha loves you. Uh, thank you so much for your participation. Kevon, Anthony, uh, my beloved cousin, Lakitia, thank you for being with us. Uh, Yvette, thank you for showing up. Yvette Mosaic, uh, Lakeisha Morehouse. Um, thank you all, Alexis Williams. I'm grateful for your love, your support, um, your listenership, your participation. 
I look forward to being here with you again at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, understanding that I am because my creators are. I am because my creators are. All-powerful, open, and receptive to all that operates in my good. Right here, right now, in this most present moment in time space, I choose. I get to choose. I get to choose happiness, peace, serenity, prosperity, health, wellness. I get to choose. And so you, underneath the sound of my voice, watching me from wherever you are, you get to choose. We are co-creators with God. God said so. The scriptures all around the world said so. Spiritual practices among our aboriginal ancestors all around the world said so. We create and recreate the reality in which we live in in which we exist in. Choose what's in your best interest. Choose what mirrors your best image. Choose what builds, not what tears down. Choose what grows, what develops, not what binds and keeps us locked in. I'm not asking you to switch your beliefs. I'm not asking you to change your religion. I'm not asking you to pick a new God. For indeed, there's only one God. There's only one God. We call it by many names. We call it by many faces. We call it by many identities. We call it by many vibrations. But indeed, there's only one. There's only one great mother. And the black woman indeed is God. And birthed all humanity, all humanity into existence. We're not negating our cousins. We're not negating our Neanderthals and our Neanderthals and our Cro-Magnums and and all of our cousins, but indeed the black woman is God and created all humanity from within her womb, from from within her nest of life, and birthed each and every one of us as gods and goddesses to be present in this moment. No one's here by mistake. No one's here by accident. No one's here because you just happened upon me. We're all here by divine order to bring something, to change something, to do something. Right now, right now, in this most present moment in time space, the paradigm has shifted. The reality has shifted. We're not going back. I think you all get that now. We're not going back to pre-pandemic. We can't go back to pre-Hurricane Ida any more than we can go back to pre-Hurricane Katrina. Our paradigm has shifted. Our reality has shifted. We are now living and existing in a new paradigm. And this magic, abundance, all around us, within us, flows in and flows out. Don't be prohibited Don't be blocked by a gatekeeper. Keep your eyes on the gatekeeper. They're limiting your access. They're limiting your ability to regain and stand in your own truth. The gatekeepers are in between you and God. 
The gatekeepers are in between you and spirit. The gatekeepers are in between you and the magic. Their goal is to keep you from accessing the elders. Their goal is to keep you from accessing the traditions. Their goal is to keep you from accessing and filling in the blanks and to keep you looking and searching and trying a little this and trying a little that and spending a little bit of money over here and spending a little bit of money over there. And then when you get to get close to your destination, you don't have resources to get your blood work done, to get your DNA done. You don't have $99, $79 to get your DNA work done. Come on now. You can't gather a few coins to get your initiations done, to get your ancestral work and divination done. Understand the gatekeepers have a job to do, but so too do we. We are called. We are called. We are chosen. We are called to make real changes right here, right now, in this most present moment in time space. Stop fighting the battle of, you know, do I work the system? Do I stay in this job? Do I keep getting up every day and, and doing this, that, and other? Or do I really stand in my truth? Do I really live the life that God and the ancestors are pushing me? Are creating the illusion of the issues blocking the complications so that I will eventually figure out that maybe I should move this way, the, the path of least resistance. It's amazing how God works. It's amazing how things come together. It's amazing how all the pieces fall into place when, when you surrender and you listen and you open yourself to your first, your own voice. Shemaki said, Ori, your own God, your own head, then to your heart, and then to your spirit. I leave you in peace, love, joy, happiness, prosperity. I look forward to being with you in this space again next time at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I'm grateful for you. I'm honored for you. I appreciate you. I am indeed here. Please send me your email. Don't try and request readings and social media. I don't do that. Don't try and request readings in Instagram. I won't do it. Don't try and discuss your reading with me in Twitter. I won't do it. I'm always going to say, send me an email. It's professional. It's etiquette. It's business. Your spirit, your soul is business. I don't do that in social media. I appreciate you. I'm a little hoarse. I guess my throat has gotten out of the habit of doing our podcast, but I'm going to get it together. All is a blessing, y'all. Thank you for your attention, your love, your support, your listenership, your participation. Thank you so much, y'all. A dash of cayenne to the root. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Boil a gumbo Hot and steady Don't care if Freddy ready Gonna pray at that old cemetery 
down on Claiborne where she's buried. Build a fire on the bayou when a black cat scratched at two under a full moon that's blue. Chant the magic words, Kufaru. A dash of cayenne to the rule. Gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Black top hat, black suit too. Single rod that molds this through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. A dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put on my green, green suit. Black top hat, black suit too, same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you, can't see my eyes, black shades too. Going free at the old cemetery, down on Claiborne where she's buried, a dash of cayenne. To the roof, gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Yeah. Black top hat, black suit too. Same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them balls out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black sheets too. Gonna pray at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne where she's buried. A dash of cayenne to the room. Gonna put on my green, green suit.